Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Welcome. Hello, Trot's Life. And on a Monday, we know what that's all about, Metrospective. And this is going to be another unique Retrospective because we're not only going to be looking back at the semi-finals of the British Crown staged on Saturday night at Tabcorp Park, Melton, but we have the privilege and opportunity to look forward to the finals this weekend, um, given the draws were all conducted after the races between uh, 7 and 11 on Saturday night out there at Vicarnas headquarters. And the man who always goes through the form with me to try and find the winners is Steve Cleave. How are you, Cleavey? I'm going really well, Jay Bond. Yourself? Uh, really good, mate. I'm sure you enjoyed the action right from the word go. Um, it was staggering, really. I mean, we'll go through race one in a moment, but when you saw what happened in race one, and we'll talk about the lead time in a moment, uh, you knew it set the scene, didn't it? Like, it set the scene for a huge night of action, dominated by Emma Stewart. We spoke all week about the fact uh, that she had so many runners, her and Clayton Tonkin, and uh, mostly partnering with Mark Pitt. They had so many runners, but also Kate Gath at the end of the night um, with a couple of winners, thankfully, because they were my two best bets. But uh, that first race really set the scene for everything. I, I, weirdly, we may... Well, did we reach that peak again? Maybe we did, but that that was just mind-blowing what happened in the first. It certainly was. It uh, Like you say, it set the night off to a real bang, but it actually just... I was about to say the same thing as what you just said then was... Uh, I don't know that we actually reached that same height for the rest of the night. So it would have been nice if that had happened about race six or seven, just to keep building up to a big crescendo. But uh, it was a terrific way to start off the night. And, uh, geez, it was just fireworks early, wasn't it? Oh, incredible. And we'll, we'll get started. And what we will do is every time we finish finish a division, uh, and this, these are the paces only, so when we finish a division – we will have a look at the final field for this Saturday night upcoming. And then once we've done Metrospective, uh, we'll get stuck into the trotters. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. All right, race one. Now, for those who don't know and don't sort of um, have a, a grip or a handle on sectional times, there was a Victoria Cup. I'm trying to think what year it was. Have you got it for me, Clevy? I don't. Sorry. Uh, it was about 2013 or so. Anyway. 41.9 was the lead time. Now, the lead time, I feel like Dan Malecki here. Uh, the lead time is the time uh, run between the start of the race and uh, with a mile to go. And it was 41.9. It's never been bettered until Saturday night, 41.9. And the lead time 
is the most important sectional in a middle trip race because it dictates whether uh, horses have had to burn and really extend themselves and then gas themselves and reach that VO2 max that Michael Guerin always used to talk about and then try and bring yourself back. Everyone knows if they've ever been for a run or they've ever done any athletic activity that if you absolutely go nuts for a period of time, catching your breath is an extremely difficult thing to do. In that Victoria Cup that I reference, horses like Smoking Up and I'm the Mighty Quinn, champions of the sport, I'm the Mighty Quinn, who was rarely run off the gate, gassed himself, and Caribbean Blaster came from last to win that Victoria Cup. Here, the Lost Storm has broken that lead time record, 41.6 seconds, 153.9 overall, and somehow still found a way to win. Here's the thing, though, Clevy. Not only was the Lost Storm amazing, but a horse who actually missed a placing, and I want to send prayers to everybody, including Dan Malecki and others, who had captains knock each way or even place only, that it has missed a place because it has also been involved in this incredible lead time. And somehow, I'm just glad it qualified comfortably because it's it's half a tragedy that it didn't run a drum because his performance was also enormous. Yeah, it certainly was. And when you're talking about those paces that set that original track record too, you've got to remember they were old war horses that have been around, you know, 40, 50, 60 times, have been racing at the most elite level. They were tough, hardened racehorses. The Lost Storm had had four race starts previously before Saturday night and be able to do what he did to smash that record. Look, I know he got a good breather in the middle, but still... Uh, when they run times like that, it just sets it up for the sweepers and the sweepers just still couldn't run them down. So it's every right to be excited about that. It, it was just amazing that he could still keep going at the finish the way he did. And uh, oh, look, Clayton was pretty happy that he pulled up well. Hopefully, you know, he can back up into the final just as good because if he does, gee, it's going to be hard to beat him. Oh, incredibly. But tell me, now we know that Emmer and Clayton are the, are the best in the business, right? But there's still got to be – it's going to be a long week, isn't it? Because there's no way – I can't imagine any world, no matter how hardy and strong and um, bottomless any juvenile is, I reckon just about every run around of that race, all of the qualifiers virtually, and certainly the Lost Storm and Captain's Knock, are going to have to be managed and loved and looked after and carried to this weekend, I reckon, because – that's it's got to have taken something out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you'll find those uh, few that got home really good that did no work early, they sort of wouldn't have taken any harm from the race. But the lost um, captain's knock especially, um, they're certainly going to know they've had a race. But, you know, these trainers that have got these horses in these big races, you know, Emma Stewart, Jeff Webster, Brad Hewitt, the likes, you know, they, they've been there before. They know what it takes to get horses through these sort of series. So they'll, they'll have everything down pat, ready to go through. You know, they might just spend three or four days just leading them off another horse so they're not doing too much work, but they're sort of exercising their muscles. You know, I know Clayton and Emma have got a water walker, so they may just put them on the water walker for a couple of days. Things like that, it'll just freshen them up. And and some of these horses, like the Lost Storm, he's obviously a perfect racehorse sort of thing. He probably sort of thrives off it. So I wouldn't be surprised that he just absolutely comes off this uh, 100%. Uh, amazing. Another another great young horse for Captain Treacherous. It's just becoming... Um 
quite outrageous, really, what Captain Treacherous is doing. But the Lost Storm, amazing. Uh, Doug's Platter, well done, Jeff Webster. Um, really good run from Doug's Platter. And Don Hugo is the most interesting runner as well, and I'll tell you why. I mentioned on the Trots Vision coverage on Saturday night that I'd spoken with Clayton Tonkin for uh, an extended period the day before, and one horse that he did mention to me is trending heavily in the right direction is Don Hugo. So $15 a place he could have gotten. Uh, something similar about Doug's platter. That's why the exotics were massive, even with a $1.20 winner. But uh, Don Hugo's a really interesting runner. And as I said, we'll get to the final fields soon. But Captain's Knock has actually, um, spoiler alert, drawn in a position where potentially if a couple of others go to war, and I speak of school captain and, and the Lost Storm in particular, Captain's Knock might be able to knock him off. Yeah, no, absolutely. He he's got to get through that run as well, but he will certainly be helping that that hoping that the two uh, two favourites will go head to head and and sort of take each other on a bit to uh, set his race up because um, if School Captain and the Lost Storm do lock horns, then uh, it could open this race right up and and even a horse like Perfect Class, it got home super um, in its heat. It's drawn eight in the final, and it was slow out, so it got well back. But, geez, it absolutely ripped home late. You can just see it flashing through the field. Uh, Karen Manning was just going left and right, trying to weave her way through a passage and, you know, 26, 36 home. So drawing eight probably sits three pegs or something like that in the final. And if they're going hard up front, it's another one that could certainly just, you know, slash through. Well, we're going early here, but uh, little Louis drawn one as well, and um... – who knows? Aaron Dunn, I've always had a good opinion of little Louie, and uh, all you've got to do is qualify. That's what Saturday night was all about. Once you're in the big dance, you need a draw, and once you get a draw, anything can happen, and little Louie has also drawn well. Let's go for our first break. Metrospective edition of Trot's Life here on SEN Track. We're talking about the Breeders' Crown semifinals and a couple of other races as well that were staged on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park. Melton, stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736. And welcome back to the Metrospective here today on SEN Track where we're uh, going through all the winners. Oh, you're back, Bon. No, I, I, I wanted to hear this. Keep going. <laughs> I've been set up. We're going through all the winners from the Breeders' Crown semi-finals on Saturday night. We started the night off with an absolute booming race with the Lost Storm uh, lighting the track on fire. And we're just coming up to race two, which was the second heat of the two-year-old Colts and Geldings with Techies watching winning that one, Bomb. And if you if you didn't already um, get the guide here, so everyone was looking at the race and thinking Techies watching versus school captain primarily. Um, and if you didn't get the the memo, then you had to watch Trot's vision because Nathan Jack was not backward in coming forward about the fact that uh, qualifying school captain and not giving him a gut buster, um, the one that the, the Lost Storm had, as a matter of fact, in the first and captain's knock, was the, um, the primary goal. And that's why, and this wasn't the first or the last time for the night, well, it was... The Lost Storm was backed to some degree, but Techie's watching was absolutely moosed, truck-loaded, into a dollar twenty-two, And this is the thing about harness racing, isn't it, uh, Clevy? Um, catches win matches and, and draws win races. Draws definitely win qualification races, heats and semifinals, because you it, people get blown up about this, and they just it's, – it's silly. 
you don't have to win. You're there. You'll see the Inter-Dominion series later in the year. Accumulating points is the most important thing to make sure you get through to the final. Um, you don't have to win a heat as long as you get through to the final. School captain did it. I thought he was sensational. Techies watching was very good. But if I was going to give three votes here, it would be uh, for school captain. And well done to Snooze Fenosio with Louis Luai. The only problem that I see with Louis Luai getting into the race is that Dan Malecki is going to have one hell of a time with little Louis and little, and Louis Luai in the same race, mate. Especially if it's a photo finish between the two. Oh, Good luck to him. <laughs> That'd be very interesting. But, yeah, getting back to what you're saying, it's, it's something that, I don't know, we need to educate the punters a little bit with that scenario when it comes to especially semifinals because – a little bit, if you, if you put it towards a thoroughbred betting, if you've got a horse coming in for the Melbourne Cup and it's starting off over 1,200, you, you know it's just there for fitness. And then the next start, it's over 1,600. It's still there for fitness. And people understand that. And I suppose they've got to try to put that into the same context here is, okay, this horse has drawn 13. The favourite's drawn two. It's going to be mighty hard to beat it, giving it 100%. But the grand final is next week. So... Yeah, I, I think it's quite logical when you look at speed maps and things like that, that once you're talking semi-final racing, it is qualify first, win second. And that's not being, hey, we're going to pull this horse up. That That's totally not it at all. It is let's not kill ourselves if we don't have to. So I'll, I'll guarantee, and if you look down the straight, Nathan Jack was dead serious on winning. He, it wasn't like he was just sitting there going over the line hard held. He gave that horse a run, but he didn't give it a gut buster. So, uh, yeah, it, it's something for the punters to learn. Um, but Techie's watching just on paper in the speed map. Just You can understand why the money came so hard for it and was just too good. Got away with a nice, easy run out in front. They pretty much just ripped home a last half, 27-5 third quarter, 26-6. So the first three I thought were all very good going towards the final. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, and Snooze also told us that uh, Louis Luai and a couple of his runners throughout the course of the night were um, going to peak uh, for the final because they've not, not necessarily 100% by design, but they're, they've just been a little bit late coming up to this level. And... Um, you know, Louis Luai is not going to win the final, I don't think, but will be better again. And when you look at the fact, people will say soft run for Louis Luai, but it's still a very big performance when you consider. I mean, this this was, uh, these were bizarre scenes. This There were three that went over the line within 3.2 metres of one another, and then there was a further 23.6 metres back to fourth. There were two races, weren't there, Clevy? Yeah, there was, and I said the exact same thing when I was watching it. I said, there's just two races coming down this home straight, and that's exactly what it was. Uh, It's hard to see anything of the next group being able to win the final. They couldn't go with these guys. Um, So the only three that I'd really be giving any chance in the final out of this race would be the first three home. Uh, In Techies watching Louis Luai and school captain. All right, I'm just going to – here's the final field. Uh, One through 13 – Barrier one for the IRT Australia Breeders' Crown Series for the two-year-old Colts and Geldings, the final of it. One, Little Louie. Two, School Captain. Three, Louie Luai. <clears throat> Four, The Lost Storm. Five, Doug's Platter. Six, Don Hugo. Seven, King Santiago. Eight, Perfect Class. Nine, Captain's Knock. Ten, Heathburn Bruce. Eleven, My Ultimate Jacko. Our Vinny is the emergency out of 12. And Techie's watching, unfortunately, despite winning at semi-final level, has drawn outside the second row in 13. Now, we will spend uh, 
the entire week, uh, Steve, looking at these races and trying to work them out. But some, you know, you get your initial impression pretty quickly, don't you? Um, what are you thinking? Are you are you predicting we're going to get a uh, a replay of the homegrown classic final where school captain leads and posts the lost storm? I mean, it's never as easy as that because you've got to go back and, and absolutely assess gate speed for all the runners off the front row. But I'm thinking that that is probably the likely scenario. Uh, yeah, and I don't think school captain will get it e- easy either. Like little Louie gets off the gate well. He won his heat well leading, so he definitely goes good up in front. But I think that little Louie comes out running. School captain has to do a bit of work to get across him because, you know, they, they want to make it do some work to have that last crack at it. Uh, Louis Louie, it's going to be an interesting one. He needs to stay wheel to wheel with school captain off the gate because captain's knock uh, is going to be hard on school captain's back. But captain's knock didn't really fly the the arm the other night. He sort of built up momentum and then took off sort of going into the first corner. So there's a chance that Louis Luai can go across into the running line. Lost Storm crosses him. So then he's 1-1. One, one, and then you've got, you know, captain's knock one out and two back. Perfect class, one out. Uh, sorry, three back. The pegs. That's my quick speed map just looking at it on paper without even sort of going through times or speed map, you know, actual speeds and whatnot. But that's it's sort of how it pans out for me. Teggy's watching is going to have to be the first one three wide without cover. Uh, it's going to be really hard for anything to come from behind. I don't know that they'll go too hard too far early. I, I think once school captain finds the front and says, nah, you're not getting it, I don't think it's going to be a war for 600 metres. And, and then you're going to find it'll be a war for the last 800. And anything coming wide is going to have to really be good to be uh, rounding these guys up. I will say this, though, I reckon, Clevy, that um, the captain's not really does get a very good chance here. And even we spoke about the peg line runners, Little Louie and Perfect Class, because one thing I think we've already worked out um, is that school captain is blazingly quick. He showed some bottom on uh, Saturday night as well, but he's very, very fast. So the lost storm can't allow this. Mark Pitt can't allow this to turn into a 500-meter sprint to the wire. Because I think school captain, if he leads and he gets it soft, he'll probably win the race. So it's 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 actually reasonably good news for a couple of others. The fact that the lost storm, if he is indeed posted, as we've suggested, that he will need, I think, a fair way out to start just working into school captain and really trying to take that dazzling sprint out of him. Not that the Lost Storm hasn't got speed as well, but as we saw in the Homegrown Classic final on Victoria Cup night, school captain will relish a situation where he isn't overdone and can use that um, that blazing point-to-point speed that he does possess. Well, Saturday night, school captain, I know it was a totally different race, but they didn't go too hard early. But he's sitting outside him. He ran his last half in 53.93. So... If he's on the pegs and going the same speed, you know, that's going to make it very hard for anything sitting outside of him if, uh, if they do get away with two slower early sectionals and, and really get that sort of breather before they go to war. So it's going to be an interesting race tactical-wise, tactical and, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a ripper. I can't wait to see it. All right, that's the two-year-old Colts and Gowdings done and dusted. Let's go to the freshman Phillies, the first of the semifinals. Um, tempting Tigress. It was really weird 
The market was weird early, so I, I did tip Jewel Melody on top, but I ended up backing Tempting Tigress and not Jewel Melody because one was a dollar seventy, and one was uh, <clears throat> more than three dollars, three fifty, three sixty at one point. It was just, it just didn't make sense um, because Jewel, Jewel Melody, four-time Group One winner, um, uh, better draw, always was probably going to end up in a, in a slightly better position, but you got the vibe as the race got closer that Soho Seraphine, the plan was to lead and hold the lead. And Tempting Tigress, we still didn't know anything about the bottom of uh, what she's capable of. And ultimately, it was a really big win. We'll talk about the Stablemates win in the following race, which um, probably outdid Tempting Tigress. But Tempting Tigress, outstanding. And the critical key for her, I think, Clevy, is she keeps getting better and better and better. Yeah, 100%. I know you're really keen on her during the week, you you're given her big raps and uh, you would have been pretty relieved when she did get over the line. But uh, Mark just sat nice and patient on this horse and she, when he let her rip, she just took off. And I was looking at her time. She ran a middle half in 55.67 and then still ran a last half in 54.86. Her third quarter, when she pulled out three wide, 26.96 rounded yes. them up and just basically pulled her way into it. Like he didn't get up her, you know, from the moment he pulled her out. She just slid up there like it was nothing. 153.8 last mile, absolutely flying, didn't have a gut buster. Um, yeah, she's she's a very nice filly on the way up. Matriarch had the perfect sit leaders back uh, to hold on, for, get up for second. Soho Seraphine, I thought was a bit disappointing. I thought the run that I had out in front, you know, 30.2, 28.9, then they got ripping. I thought it was a bit disappointing. I thought it would have been sort of right there in the finish, but just sort of to battle up the straight. Uh, tell you one who did make really good ground, and that was ludicrous uh, for Kate Hargroves and, and Nathan Jack. It got home super out wide. It was trying to keep up with Tempting Tigress when Tempting Tigress let roll, sort of never really grabbed its back, but it's got home in 54.82 and uh, 27.55. So... It's drawn the favourites back in the final. So if it's leaders back, it's one to watch a good odds. Yeah, and already been a place getter at Group 1 level in that Nutrien final, <coughs> pardon me, up at uh, Menangle. <clears throat> so really nice horse, good draw. Jewel Melody, also uh, disappointing, it has to be said. But it's been like Jewel Melody's been, it's been a long season for her compared to a, a number of other runners here. And you go back through the times that they ran in the heats at uh, at Maryborough, attempting Tigress and, and Major Delight, and probably something had to give somewhere, didn't it? Jewel Melody was just absolutely monstrous at heat level, and you just wonder what did it take out of her, um, how, how she's coping with the long season. I'm not saying Bernie Hewitt's a great trainer. He can turn it around potentially for this Saturday night, but... Um, I'm sure there'd be a couple of concerns in the camp after that performance, knowing how good she is. And um, and how about D Miles on uh, on Trot's vision, telling us that Matriarch would be lucky to beat the ambulance home? <laughs> Helping yeah, well, the punters, he, Milesy, come on! It was a yeah, great exactly. driver. He threw you off there, but no. Look, once he found the pegs, it certainly gave him a big chance. It's always hard when you uh, when you draw a little bit tricky. And uh, I thought. Clive's girl would have been able to punch up and, and hold leaders back and was sort of surprised because it, it has showed some gate speed before. But um, I know it's been pulling a bit lately, so maybe Charlene was just taking the thought of let's keep her relaxed. If we're three pegs, we can still qualify. And 
Um, David was able to get in and, and actually Clydesdale nearly ended up four pegs when Jack Law was trying to get in as well on, on Aussie Sweet Pea at the same time. So, yeah, it, uh, it turned out lucky for him. And, uh, yeah, he got up at massive odds for second, which was really good to see. He now gets into a, a big final. Um, time for the news, but Soho, Sarah, it's funny. We, it's where you come from and your expectation, I think, sometimes when you look at performances. I I thought Soho Seraphine was um, far shorter than she should have been in this race after being, you know, well handled by Major Delight in the heat. And it, weirdly enough, I, I I probably thought it was a decent run, but it's where you come from, whether you, whether you thought she was a massive winning chance if she led and got the run that she did or not. And uh, I thought she was... Uh, I thought she was okay. She's just not at the same level, I don't think, as Tempting Tigress at the moment. Or uh, we'll talk about the filly that Dan Malecki is calling potentially the best juvenile filly in the history of the world after the news. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 Of Anastasia, probably forgotten by many. The little pocket rocket. Hey, <laughs> one the mass singer. You would know that Tom Bank. Tom Bank could probably I could name you many Victoria Cup winners. Steve Cliff could tell you the Hunter Cup winners, and Tom Bang here could tell you all of the um, reality TV show winners for the last twenty years. So we've all got different skill sets. Um, race four was the second semi-final of the Breeders' Crown, sponsored by Alabar for the two-year-old fillies, and uh, yeah, she is special. It's now eight from eight, major delight. And I, I mentioned during the week, uh, Clevy, that sort of the beginning of the career w- was successful, but y- you couldn't have predicted, I don't think, where she's gotten to. That th- they were nice wins, um, pretty rudimentary early, then got better and better. This st- that was probably the most weirdly the most glamorous win we've seen from her because she doesn't she's a bit no frills she's just unbelievably professional unbelievably um fast uh unbelievably strong she's got it all uh, i'm probably reserving judgment um of calling her the best two-year-old filly of all time but she's very very good yeah no she is it's uh it's always hard to say i don't like you know saying one's better than another because you know ladies in red was a two-year-old you know the previous well, two seasons ago, and and she's here now. So, you know, they're not matching each other. It's the only way you can really say who's the best of the best ever because they can only beat what they're up against. But she's certainly on her way to being a star. Um, You know, just brilliantly bred. Better's delight out of Lady Athenia, who was a really nice mare. I think she won 20 or 42 or something like that. And uh, she's following in her mum's footsteps. But one thing you notice about this filly, no matter how good she is at two, I think she's going to be better at three and four because she's big, she's sort of raw, and you watch her up the straight. Mark was sort of tapping her, not to get her to go quicker, but not because she was under pressure, but just to try and keep her mind on the job. Her ears were going back and forward and back and forward, and she's sort of like, oh, I'll just flop around out here. So it'll be nice to see when something gets up and really eyeballs her, how, di- how, dig- how deep she digs and... Uh, and how much he's really got left in the locker, because I reckon there's plenty there. I have absolutely no doubt. I think she'd actually love it. 
and yeah. it'd, it'd switch her on, wouldn't it? I think I, I think she's just capable of um, of anything at the moment. And Tempting Tigress, as super as she was, it, it just feels like it's major delight, and then a gap, and then Tempting Tigress, and then maybe the rest. Um, Jewel Melody, if she was able to get back to where she was prior to Saturday night. Aureus was really good. Again, great um, pre-race information in the parade ring with Shannon O'Sullivan and Greg Sugars um, talking about the fact that they could uh, they could hold up that position and, and wouldn't be handing up to anybody bar major light. That was going to make life hard on perfect in pink. We all knew that. The trifecta was easy to find, clearly. They were the three best horses in the race. I actually... Probably have a bigger opinion, nearly, of Perfect in Pink now than before the race, despite being beaten 11.8 metres because of her ability to sit parked and uh, and hold on to third here. Aureus was good, but uh, they're all a little bit in a different world to, to, to Major Delight, aren't they? Great runs from all the other qualifiers. Spring Blue was terrific, and uh, and something about Eilie from well back was also really good. So we'll talk more about that race in a moment. For now, we're going to go for a break here on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life. Happens every Monday here on SEN Track. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736. Welcome back, Kidlingtons. Uh, harness Racing Lovers, Racing Lovers, SEN Track Lovers. We are going through the Breeders' Crown semi-final night at Tadcourt Park. Melton uh, for Metrospective today. Jay Bon and Steve Cleave with you. And um, anything more you'd like to add? Before we look at the final field for the two-year-old Phillies Breeders' Crown on Saturday night, anything more out of that second semi-final that we need to touch on, Cleavey? Not really. I think we just need to get on to the final. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I just I struggle to see this one getting beat, to tell you the truth. It's pretty hard, isn't it? I mean, she's just – yeah, yeah. The only thing I will say, and it's it might sound a little mischievous, but I even thought it on uh, on Saturday night. If you've got the best horse in any race, unless you've got obvious blazing early speed, one draw you don't necessarily want. It sounds weird, but you don't always want one, Clavy, because particularly with a two-year-old, it just gives everyone a chance to – Try and unsettle you and uh, and and run out. Like Soho Seraphine's got to have a crack. Got to have a crack. I don't. I, I doubt it would be. It would work. But you've got to have a crack at the start. Um, I don't know whether Jewel Melody had even. They they chased her off the gate quicker than ever before. Um, it, it all probably won't work. And Major Delight will start a very short price favourite and very likely win. But um, yeah. I, I I just think when you have got the best horse in a race, sometimes you just want to draw three or four. Um, clear air, balance, burn, dominate. Any any concurrence there, or are we just looking at Major Delight and going, it wouldn't matter where she would have drawn anyway, she's so good? Yeah, no, one's always a little bit of a tricky draw. I think they'll probably, you know, sharpen her up a bit in the prelim. They they just sort of let her roll forward the other night without pushing her, and yet her lead times, again, we go back to these sectionals that we get uh, off the internet from uh, trots.com. They've got their first 50, first 100, first 200 metres, and there's really nothing between any of them. There was no 
blistering uh, gaps to say, hey, this horse can cross that one. Um, you know, you look at uh, Major Delight's first 50 was 3.33 and 6.56 for a first 100. And then you go up to Soho Seraphine, you know, she was 3.28, 6.35. So we're only talking tenths of a second. She needs to get four metres in front of Major Delight to be able to cross. And I don't think they might have to crack for 50, but I think if Major Delight even even if she's just got her toes there, I think she'll still hold her out. So I don't think they'll be going to war. They may have a 50-metre look and then hope maybe that it opens a gap up where they can possibly get on their back. I don't know how quick Ludicrous is off the gate, um, but they'll be doing their best to certainly hold Major Delights back as well. So once she holds the front, and, and honestly, I've, it wouldn't bother me if she went to war for 400 metres. I still think she's the best horse in the race and could certainly cop it. So... As I said, I just struggle, you know, to see her, her getting beat. I mean, Major Delight leads. I think Jewel Melody goes across, probably has to sit in the desk seat. Saro Seraphine uh, probably takes a sit behind Tempting Tigress, who takes a sit behind Jewel Melody. Ludicrous leaders back, Clive's Girl, one out and three, one out and four back. And from there, it's it's good luck to anyone that can sort of get home over the top of them because I, I struggle. I really struggle to see how they can. Well, and just a quick note as well. When it comes to early speed and, and being able to hold up from um, good draws, uh, size matters. Size matters. Yeah. Um, and Major Delight's got that bit of size. It's a lot harder to cross a big horse than it is a, uh, a little one. Here's a draw for the Alabar Breeders' Crown Series. Two-year-old Phillies final on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park. Melton, what a massive program it's going to be. One Major Delight. A lot of hearts sunk when uh, major so major delight and tempting tigress from memory amazingly were the last two horses drawn out of this um so everyone else had found their barriers there was one and three left would it have mattered if tempting tigress had gotten one it's academic two soho seraphine three tempting tigress four sahara breeze five dual melody six aureus seven perfect in pink no luck there in the gate uh, uh, at the barrier draw for perfect in pink eight ludicrous nine clive's girl ten something about eilie 11, the emergency Aussie sweep. They will turn out to be a really nice filly, that one. 12, Matriarch. Uh, will you beat the ambulance on this time, Milesy? 13, Spring Blue. Very unlucky at the draws as well, but I think you've summed that race up uh, really nice. I think Jewel Melody is consigned to have to go forward and sit parked. I'm just, I'm in the same, uh, of the same mindset as everybody else, I think. But as I said, we're going to spend the week looking at these races and I'm not going to completely rule out Tempting Tigress as a winning hope until I really excavate and, and dig very deep because you go back to those heats at uh, Maryborough and Tempting Tigress broke the middle trip track record and that record was then broken by Major Delight. But 153-4, 153-3, um, Major Delight might be, might be something freakish, but if she is, then Tempting Tigress is something... Pretty bloody amazing at the same time. So, um, oh, yeah. absolutely. You can't can't knock tempting tigress at all. I think, as you were alluding uh, to before that question, that you sort of stopped very quick because we can't get that answer. Like, you, it's not going to happen because the barrier draws are done. But had tempting tigress drawn one, major delight three, I think that would have been the only chance that I personally could see tempting tigress beating major delight was if she was camped on her back and just happened to ping her for speed. Um, like if she, you know, just made a quick dive bomb the last 50 where it might take Major Delight a little bit to wake up to see her coming at her. I thought that would have been the only chance that she would uh, 
have of beating her. I, I struggle to see how she's going to beat her from outside her. And this is probably the race that I'll spend the least amount of time doing because I look. I, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I just feel that it's just pretty obvious at where they're going to run. Um, probably the only other big question mark in that race is well, well it is whether Jewel Melody can bounce back because Jewel Melody is also uh, a big strong filly and. With all that money up for grabs, $300,000, whether they would apply the heat. And that would obviously be good news for Tendry Tigress as well. But we'll um, we'll talk to Bernie Hewitt and we'll try and talk to just about everybody involved, if we can, throughout the course of the week here on SEN Track. Race five, um, before we go to our final break in the first hour, the Melton City Council Sprint. We take a breather, a break from the Breeders' Crown semifinals. And what a wonderful result here for Bulletproof Boy. We just love him. Everybody loves Bulletproof Boy. I said on Trot's Vision, um, if you don't like Bulletproof Boy, you don't like harness racing, you don't like racing, and you probably don't like life. Seven-year-old gelding, warrior. Um, he's just done such an amazing job over a long period of time, perfectly driven by Scotty Ewan, and narrowly got the job done. Fast mile rate, 152.3. Uh, the two Mark Lee runners, Jillyby Nitro, He's just loving these soft trips. Jalupi Sylvester is flying. Uh, Torrid Saint, I, I was dubious. About, I, I mentioned a few times on Trot's Vision, Clevy, that I was dubious about the price because I felt the price was only reasonable if you were 100% sure he was going to find the front. Uh, Torrid Saint, which obviously didn't happen. Bonsell Benjamin was an improved run, no doubt about it. Um, after uh, after sort of being in the wilderness to some degree, led here and has only gone down 3.4 metres. And our old mate, who's in career best form, are you back to win the Victoria Cup at a million to one and got no draw and can't get a draw? Um, you're the sectional king. Tell us what Max Delight did because it must have been very good. I just don't worry. I'm wanting for the Inter Dominion at a million to one as well. So we just want to barrier one in the Inter Dominion final and we'll all be happy because, again, he has just lit up the page. Uh, Max Delight, let's have a quick look. 56 36, middle half. 54.17 last half, last quarter, 26.86, fastest last mile in the race, 152.78, and runs fifth. It's just, it's mind-boggling. But uh, look, hats off to Bulletproof Boy. He has been wanting a barrier draw for the last 27 years, and he finally gets one. Uh, every time I speak to Scotty, he's just like, you know, we've been cruel again. And and he did a bit of work early. He he tested Bonzel Benjamin for the front. He wanted the lead. He, he worked the first couple of hundred metres. Um, so it wasn't like he was just doing nothing and then sprinting home over the top of him. He actually had to do a bit of work, got the 1-1 one, one set, uh, gave Max Delight a nice little shove out on the corner before they straightened to make sure that uh, he, he didn't let him get in front of him. And, uh, yeah, he got to the line absolutely super. So it was great to see. I think everyone would have been happy to see him get the win for sure. Magnificent. Really, really was. And uh, I did mention on, on the night on Saturday, and I'll say it again here, <clears throat> Bulletproof Boy is a great chance of qualifying for an Inter-Dominion final because you know he's he's a warrior who, if he can get a draw in the first two rounds, uh, and Scotty Ewan was really, really keen on round uh, two to try and win a heat because of what a good miler, uh, short-trip short horse uh, Bulletproof Boy is. But you just feel like he could get through. Max Delight absolutely can do the same. He, he's, he's, he's gone from a, a, an absolute glamour puss um, again, beautifully bred, same breeding as as uh, Major Delight out of Lady Euthenia. Um, but he's gone from a real sort of, um, I don't know, like this pristine, 
boy band member as a young horse, uh, Max Delight, to being a, a warrior. He's gotten older, hasn't he, Clavy? He, there's been a bit of a transition. It's the old Chris Judd from uh, West Coast into Chris Judd from Carlton. Yeah, he certainly has. He's uh, he's a great horse, and he just keeps doing it week in, week out. As I said, figurative form mightn't look great, but barrier draws, he's a bit like Bulletproof Boy. They've crueled him. Um, you know, he got third, barrier 13 in uh, the Victoria Cup, but he absolutely broke the clock in, uh, in what he did. Um, and getting back to those, you know, we're talking about semifinals here, and you mentioned about the Inter-Dominion, if punters look at it, you know, one of the best... Uh, qualifying horses I've seen get in or into Dominion, and it was one of my earlier memories for Inter Dominions was Westburn Grant. He never won a heat. He ran uh, he ran second the first night. He ran third, I think, the second night, and he had to run top four to qualify, and he ran fourth the third night, or it might have been second, fourth, third, but he just snuck through each of his heats to qualify, and yet that gave him the perfect run through because he never had a single gut buster and he came out and wins a grand final. So going into the Inner Dominions, punters, just be wary and just watch how they actually go through. You'll know on on the third night who needs to win and who doesn't to be actually know who's you know worth betting and who's just worth watching going into the finals. And uh, the ideal scenario is not to have to win or go very well on the third night to have already accumulated enough points. But we'll talk you through the Inter-Dominion when we get to it. It's time for our final break in the first hour. Might just duck downstairs and see what the weather's like and uh, we'll come back and talk through races six to 11 inclusive from Saturday night at Tabcorp Park, Melton, and go through those final fields for the Breeders' Crown this Saturday night at Vicarnas headquarters as well. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 Welcome back to Metrospective. We're covering off the semi-finals from the Breeders' Crowns that were run at Melton on Saturday night. We've done the two-year-olds. We're now coming up. We've got the three-year-old Colton Golding semi-finals. We've got the three-year-old Phillies finals. We'll also have a look at the final fields for both those three-year-old finals coming up next Saturday night. The barrier draws give a quick rundown on the races. And then we've also got the Aldebaran Park Trotters free-for-all to go over. And the last race on the card where the girls did it again, those girls being Kate Gaff, Tough Tilly and Emma Stewart for the EB Research, uh, getting some more money in the kitty there for uh, for a really great cause. But make sure you join us after this news break. Uh, Metrospective here on SEN Track. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. The best song of Midnight's by Taylor Swift. You're on your own, kid. That's how a lot of people felt when they were racing against Emma Stewart on Saturday night. You're on your own, kid. You always have been. Uh, race six, a rock and roll dance, Breeders' Crown Series 24, first semi-final for the classic age fillies, the three-year-olds. And got to say, um, I know she'd won her heat 
Soho Historia, Clavy, but this was a return to something like the filly that we saw come from nowhere and uh, blaze past Amore Vita and Co. in the Queensland Oaks. This was uh, an absolutely dominant display. This was no doubt the weaker of the two uh, qualifiers for this series on Saturday night, but she can't have done much more, and it's uh, it's pretty hard. Miss Shen T didn't have a, a stack of luck. I'll concede that, but it's pretty hard to see any of these beating Soho Historia home potentially in the final, let alone some of the others. Yeah, no, I totally agree with what you just said there, Bond. So Historia was very good, did get it easy out in front, but uh, it's just sort of peaking at the right time, I think, just coming back to her best. So maybe they've timed their run absolutely to perfection with this one. Quick third quarter, 26-5 down the back, and then home in 27-2. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very hard to see anything outside the winner, sort of being able to win the final. Uh, there were some nice runs in them, but nothing that you go sort of, wow, this one's just absolutely flying. And, um, you know, Miss Chantilly, as I said, was held up a little bit, but certainly going to need to improve. Beach Life uh, was very good getting home for second, but so was Storia, too good for them and even harder going into the, the, the following heat. Um, Beach Life, uh, nice run, was able to... Get across Rich Beauty, which I didn't see coming personally. Um, we know she has good gait speed, but I thought Rich Beauty would hold up. Didn't happen. Uh, she runs second. Miss Shantae is a really, really nice filly. Um, and uh, Dan Malecki and I both very keen that she could uh, run a place at a big price around the $4.60 mark, uh, Miss Shantae. So got the job done there. Miss X, talk time. And then uh, staggeringly, I'm not sure I've ever seen this before, but a dead heat for sixth meant that we had to ballot one of either Rich Beauty or Star Celebrity out. And in the end, Rich Beauty will go around in the final. Um, well, Star Celebrity will be the emergency if there's a scratching, but Rich Beauty goes around in the final. So uh, a little bit of an unusual, unique postscript to the race, which was otherwise a, a pretty, not pedestrian affair, but certainly a one-act affair. Absolutely. And to add more to intrigue to that uh, debt heat, it was also owned and trained and that by the exact same connection. Yes, so yeah. <laughs> it wasn't one owner getting upset at another owner. It's owned by the same connection. So it probably didn't matter. And, and as I, I shot you a text through on Saturday night and I just said, look, if I was deadheading for six, I'd, I'd want to be running in the consolation because, you you know, if you can't go with them here, you probably can't go with them in the final. So you've probably got more chance of uh, winning the consolation than you have of, uh, you know, maybe uh, running a good place in, in the final. So I don't think they'd be overly upset uh, with, with one of them getting knocked out. No, no doubt about it. Um, Clayton talking to Peter Gleeson, uh, the two owners of both Rich Beauty and Star Celebrity. Um, well done. Talk time's definitely, well, not ready to win uh, a race like this this week, but... Um, she's been a little bit late to the party, the little sister of Act now. So you'd imagine she's going to end up being a, a pretty nice filly down the track. But Soho was story of dominant, but he was by far the stronger of the two semifinals. <clears throat> and it was won by, I think now, very clearly the number one three-year-old filly in Victoria and the country as a whole in Cypher. Um, I cannot believe... I don't know how you felt about it, Clevy, but, uh, you know, Dan and I were scratching our heads wondering why uh, Encipher was around the $1.75, $1.70 mark, really. I, I mean, I, I've been a little bit late to the party in terms of uh, conceding her dominance, but by the time Saturday night came around, I had no doubt about it. Um, anybody who saw the Oaks, really, 
would have had you know no doubt about it. And I know you really, 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 really like Cipher as well. So I, I reckon you would have taken the dollar seventy on off a non peril second interject the diamond shoes gets in for Keith Cottrell. Well done to him. A more Vita we'll talk about more in a moment when we get to the final field and Petty Aunt Amelia gets in for sixth. But um she's just again, she's not she's not ultra glamorous in Cipher, but she's just the best. She's just all business. She really is. Uh, she, yeah, I, I couldn't believe the odds. I, I actually started to wonder, is something wrong? Like, it, it's silly to start thinking that, but you think from the stable, um, from how good she is, she's got the barrier drawer, you couldn't see her, you know, having to go to war. Everything just lined up to say that she was by far the one to beat. But when the odds just didn't come in, especially when every other one of their earlier runners, you know, they were getting hammered, and this one, they just didn't want to touch her. I'm thinking, has a leg fallen off? You know, is is she just not going any good at home? Is there something wrong? And and you should you shouldn't think that. But unfortunately, you know, when you don't see those sort of runs in the money, you, you do start questioning it. But she showed Saturday night that uh, anyone who wasn't on her for for whatever reason, just you know, as I said, just didn't work that race out right because everything sort of said that that was her race to lose, and and it certainly was. And she just had it all her own way out in front. You know, but you look at the sectionals that she can reel off, 26-8 down the back and 26-4 home. Like, not many races at Melton do they run two sub-27s their last two quarters. They'll do one. They'll either go 26-8 and 27-2 or they'll go 27-2 and 26-4, but they don't very often go 26-8, 26-4. So she is just all class. She certainly is very, very well uh, put, eloquently put, articulately put, non-pareal, it was a good night for um, Lara J Farm. They've qualified six runners uh, for the British Crown Finals. A, a, a magnificent job given uh, they've only been in operation for a few years, really, um, just doing a crazy good job. Interject, Diamond Shoes, I already mentioned. What do we Before we get to the, the actual final field, because the draw for a Moray Vita is perfect, but what did we make of... Was that was that very similar to what we've seen in recent weeks from a Moray Vita? It was another run that you looked at and you went... It was really good without being a Moray Vita. But it, if it was any other horse, you'd say it was a really good run. It's, it's a, this is how I sort of look at it. And, and it's a hard one to weigh up. So I look at her like a Max Delight. Now, Max Delight was just amazing at three. And all of a sudden now he, he's running huge times, but running fifths and sixths. And the Moray Vita is doing the same. We keep saying, oh, she was so good last year and everything else well she's still that good the others have just caught up it's not like she's lost a leg or anything like that she ran her middle half in 55 6 she's got home in 26 31 her third quarter uh trying to make ground around and when the leader's gone 26 8 the leader then went 26 3 and she's got home in 26 9 so she's ran 0.1 of a second slower for her last half uh, than, than the actual winner, 53-11 to 53-27. So you, you can't say that it was a bad run at all. She She's just like, you know, Max Delight. She she needs a draw to put her in the right spot, and she's got it in the final. So this is going to be interesting. I, I still don't think she can beat her, but this is her chance. I mean, the marbles have fallen perfectly for her. Her time says she's still going good enough to do it. So... Yeah, I, I'm just looking at her exactly the same as I'm looking at Max Delight. 
All right, let's go through the field. For the Rock and Roll Dance British Crown Series three-year-old Phillies final on Saturday night at Tabcorp Park, Melton. <clears throat> Number one, we've already told you, haven't we? Amore Vita, two in cipher. So I'll keep naming names, but that's your race, I think. Three, <laughs> Beach Life, three Beach Life, four Interject, five Rich Beauty, six Nonpareil, seven Miss Shanti, eight Miss X, nine Star Celebrities, your first emergency and only emergency, ten Diamond Shoes, eleven Soho Historia, twelve Talk Time, and thirteen Pity On. Um, it's going to be a good exotic betting race, I think, here, because the Wayne Cypher got out on Saturday night. She leads Amore Vita behind the leader. You said you wouldn't spend much time in the major. I think I'll spend the least time on this race. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in Cypher leading, uh, well, it almost certainly will be Amore Vita behind the leader, and then you've got to find your third place getter, and you've got to make up in your own mind, which we've already started discussing, whether Amore Vita could actually beat in Cypher. I, I was... Sort of in two minds on Saturday night, straight after the the race. Every minute that goes by, Incipher just wins and Amore Vita just runs second, I think, Clevy. Yeah, absolutely, because there's going to be absolutely no mid-race pressure. There's not a horse there that's going to put it to uh, Incipher. No one's going to make her run anywhere that she doesn't want to run. They will just sit, sit, sit work out the best time to pull the trigger. And as you say, when you look at the times that they ran the other night, 53-1, I mean, Interject got home in 52-86, but you still got to go quicker than that to be able to get past her. So if you're sitting on her back and and she's running home in 53, I don't care how quick you are, you you know, you're going to have to be reeling off low 52s to be able to even, you know, get up to eyeball her. So I just can't see it. Cannot see him getting beat. No, no, I, I think, to be honest, this sounds weird again, but um, one thing that's been underrated about Encipher is her speed because she looks so strong and she's professional and, as you said, Clev, your business, that you kind of think to yourself, oh, you know, she's an on-pace filly who sort of grinds away, but the sectionals tell you a completely different story. She's she's a, she's also a captain treacherous. She's very, very, very fast. Um, and you talk about... Um, sectionals in terms of what this is what we do in the trots, uh, 400 metre sectionals, quarters. But really, here you'd have to make up the ground on her. Amore Vita's got 150 metres to, to try and run her, run her down. I just don't see it happening. But I tell you what, as I mentioned, um, there's nothing wrong, there's no shame. I'll be taking them. I took them on Saturday night, I'll be taking them again next this Saturday. Take your exotics because what you will find. And I, I, I go on about this all the time. You will find the more obvious you think that they are, the better they'll pay because everybody else will say, I'm not going to take that exotic because it won't pay anything. And it is amazing how it's, the pendulum swings the other way that because everyone avoids it, if you're willing to just take it and, and say, look, I just want to get something out of the race, it'll end up being better than you think it will be. Time for a break when we come back. We'll have a look at race eight and nine. They were the two semi-finals of the Woodland Stud Australia Breeders' Crown Series 24 uh, for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. When the world is on your shoulders And the weight of your own heart is too much to bear Well, I know that you're afraid Things will always 
It's a pretty bad day. It's absolutely urinating down out there. It is. Uh, it's bucketing down out there. Um, I know. I've I've been down and checked it out. Race eight, first of the semi-finals. Uh, the Woodland Stud Australia Breeders Crown Series twenty four for the three year old Colts and Geldings and um so Major Perry leading was expected. Uh I just thought maybe interest free would uh put some more pressure on here and we might get we might get a bit of a blowout. As it turns out, Major Perry just got a, a picnic in front really. 45-1, 29-9, dropped it down to a 31.9 second, second quarter of the final mile. Game over for everyone out the back. So the run from Kafaji Kif- was excellent. Three wide, no cover. We'll get to the final field. Worked out well for him, potentially. Wolf Roscoe, excellent. Held up at a crucial stage when interest-free was just sort of semi-capitulating and got home. I can't believe how well that horse is going, Wolf Roscoe. It's flying. And interest-free... It probably wasn't really interest-free, but I've got to say, Clevy, that I've I, I've just wondered whether the boom's gotten a bit big. Interest-free is a really, really, really nice horse. A, I'm not really, really nice horse, but the difference between um, him and, and a number of three-year-olds in a peloton with one another, I don't think is that great, and I think that played out on on Saturday night, to be honest. Yeah, look, i got three ticks, two crosses, and an okay out of the, the qualifiers in this one. Um, Major Perry, as you say, just had it all his own way. He's a quality horse. I mean, he's he's been racing in the derbies and and whatnot, along with the rest of them, and and winning a derby heat as well. Kafaji was great getting home, uh, broke the clock on his way home. 28-1 down the back, 26-8 uh, home, and that that's coming around and wide on his own. So 55 dead for his last half. So he's gone absolutely super raw for Roscoe. As you say, it's fantastic to see uh, Pogasolta and, and those guys having a, a great run with this horse. He, he's come from absolutely nowhere to, you know, making a Group 1 final in I think it was only a dozen starts or something like that, but he absolutely ripped home off a cold sit. And then interest-free, I, I just found that run very disappointing with the sectionals that they run and the way he's been racing. I mean, he's been racing better than that against the open-class free-for-all horses. So I was disappointed. He was gone a long way from home. They haven't broke 27 for a quarter, so he shouldn't have been outdone for speed. Um, and the other one that was really disappointed was Commander Buzz. Um, I was like you. I, I just thought, wow, he's got the draw here. He's going to be leaders back. He's finally right in the right spot. And he just didn't deliver at all Saturday night. He That should have been his race to, if not go close to winning, at least running second. But um, he just sort of struggled. And repelling, I thought, was okay. Um, I wasn't as wrapped in his heat run as you were. Um, but he got home okay up the fence uh, as well to run six and qualify for the final. Yeah. Uh, the, so here's the only thing I'll say um, around around interest-free. Okay, so the last – he breezed on Saturday night. These were his last um, three or four runs from the breeze. He was beaten 14.4 metres uh, into second in the Reg Withers three-year-old classic by a freak named Captain Ravishing we'll talk about soon. Then on the 10th of August – and the Gold Sovereign uh, first heat, interest-free parked out and was beaten by Beach Villa. Beach Villa. Then he wins at Ballarat in a winter championship heat, and then you go back to Kilmore on the 30th of June, he parks out, and he's beaten by Blitzen. Um, so I, I, I just 
I don't think he's a breeze horse for a start. Um, I, that's what they had to do on uh, on Saturday night. But I, I think that he's just he's he's his really really great runs have been where he's either led and trailed or been way back in the field and used his speed. He's got really good high speed. It, it, it's almost like the better the race, the better interest free is. Um, we're, we're, Twelve months ago, I think it was either the heat or the semi final. Must have been the semis because it was at Melton. This horse, it was, it was a semi final of the Breeders' Crown. And he peeled at the top of the straight off a real cold sit and ran straight past some really nice yeah. horses to win his semi of the Breeders' Crown. So no doubt what you're saying is right. He He's certainly going to be better off driven colder than sitting in the death. But when they're running those times, he he's better than yeah, that. Yeah. Like uh, even sitting in the death, I mean, that they went that slow in that race. I nearly could have, but. Not quite. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> it wasn't like they were out no. there running one 152s and 153s. So. No, I agree. I agree with that. I, he, he, he should have still finished second, really, shouldn't he? But um, yep. Yep. <clears throat> Major Perry, it's been a nice trip, really, in the end of the day. They've won a heat of the, uh, heat of the derby and now a heat of the breed, uh, a semi-final of the Breeders' Crown. Um, it, I don't think anybody else other than Captain Ravishing can win the final, but we'll talk about that soon. Kafaji. You've already spoken about with the sectionals and Raw for Roscoe. Terrific. Yeah, I'm with you. <clears throat> Real early doors, I, I was um, I was thinking Commander Buzz. And, and Dan Malecki said, said the same thing on, on Saturday night on Trot's Vision, that Commander Buzz looked like the kind of horse who could progress to be something a little bit special. And he just hasn't gotten there. I, and, but I, I, just like you, Clevy, I was looking Saturday night and I'm just thinking – he just he might not be up to them if he has to do work or he's off the fence, but he's with this little cushion he's going to get here. Um, I think he'll go really well. But he just, and he looked coming to the turn, he looked to be bolting, and then um, there just wasn't a kick in the locker. Unfortunately, repelling does qualify for the final, but it just didn't go quickly enough for the, for him to get into it, and he was dragged back a little bit. And I don't know if he's that that type of horse. But um, Major Perry wins. Well done to. Barry Purden to Scotty Field and to Josh Dickey with uh, Major Perry, and um, yeah, it's been it's been a, a really good trip thus far. Second semi final of the Woodland Stud Australia Breeders Crown Series twenty four, and well, we said there was a, there were a couple of highlights earlier: the Lost Storm and probably Major Delight. But there's something about this horse that makes him the highlight of my night every single time he goes around. Captain Ravishing, he's just he's just a jet plane. What he's able to do twenty five nine again. Um, in terms of just raw speed, I, I, I don't think I've seen a horse faster, to be honest, than Captain Ravishing. I'm not saying he's uh, anywhere near the best horse I've ever seen. He's got a long way, a long way to go and a lot to prove before he goes up in sort of rarefied air and champion company. But in terms of speed, um, almost nobody can go with him. And Rip, it was a, it was a smart drive by Dougie Hewitt, got off the inside at the right time. But we all talk about Rip as being an outstanding horse. Outstanding, outstanding, and yet Captain Ravishing just makes him look second rate. That's how good this horse is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if the question's been asked to Clayton, and, and I'd like to actually hear hear his answer. I'd love to compare this horse with Ride High. Now I know Ride High was you know going for eighteen straight or whatever it was, and it you know when you've got a picket fence like that, it certainly adds more glitz and glamour to the performances, but. I'd nearly say that this horse is quicker. Um, he he he's doing exactly what Ride High was doing, and you know I suppose he's got to now keep stepping up in as he gets up into open age. But you know the, 
the times that he's running is is just phenomenal. Like his last quarter was 25.92 and he wasn't pushed. That was just Mark saying, all right, let's just have a dash up the straight. So what sort of times this horse can run, I, I don't know. Like 53.07 for his last half. So if Mark turns around, puts a whip on his bum and really says, let's rock, I mean, it, there's there's 52s, real low 52s, I reckon, in him. And, and that's just phenomenal. He does... I'm just watching him again now. There's so much right high about him. The only thing I will say uh, is, uh, what was it? A few weeks ago, Tim O'Connor, TikTok went out to uh, went out to visit Emma and Clayton, and I think he asked him a question, uh, something to the effect of, uh, "Who's better out of this bloke and ride high?" And um, and Clayton, uh, I believe, I'm paraphrasing, told Tim O'Connor to give himself an uppercut. Um, that's. But that's how, like, I think in Clayton's eyes, Ride High is just the greatest horse he'll ever train. Um, Ride High is probably t- a lot tougher than this bloke, but on speed-wise, I don't reckon there'd be much between them in that quick dash up the lane. I don't, sure. I don't, I don't, I don't think anything would be could, could lay claim to being a faster horse than this bloke. He's uh, And as you say, he doesn't do it under sufferance, um, and that 25.9, just to put it in context, and I know the track wasn't affected yet, but it was pouring down. It was raining. It was raining. It had rained for 25 minutes before Captain Ravishing uh, just lit the track up and uh, went 53 his last half. Um, looking at the, the other runs in the race, well done to all the qualifiers. Uh, Greg Fleming with Red Hot Assassin, Flash Jimmy on Kirsten Graham, one of our colleagues, on uh, Trot's Vision, and a fantastic uh, person will be very excited to have Flash Jimmy um, going around in the final on Saturday night, Mac Assassin, Rip. But um, probably the story of the race in some ways, given uh, his performance, was uh, was he's Charlie's Angel. But we'll talk more about that in a moment. We'll go to the news right now and come back and talk more about the second semi-final of the Breeders' Crown for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings and have a look at the final field as well. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736. Welcome back. Trots Life Metrospective. Um... He's Charlie's angel. Uh, we'll get to the Barry draw in a moment, but uh, Charlene Guzman would have been absolutely thrilled with his run. Yeah, sure. He was uh, he was pretty keen back in the field, and um, yeah, when she let him rip down the back, she she got around at the perfect time. She got across to the running line before they hit the home corner, which allowed him to not have to cover too much ground. But he ran his middle half in fifty six point oh four. Got home in 26.2, a mile in 152.91. So he's ran absolutely out of his skin. It's a great draw, sort of, for him. Um, she did say she's probably going to be keen to have a go forward, being this is a grand final. But I just went back through Kafaji. He's only ever drawn one once in his life, and the only horse that crossed him out the gate was uh, a little pony. You may have heard of him. I think he's um, he goes okay. That catch a wave. Mm. Um, that's the only horse that got across him when he drew barrier one. So 
I don't know if he's Charlie's angel will uh would be able to cross him so although two's a good draw it, it i don't think she'll um be, be getting to the fence there so that'll make it a little bit tougher but it certainly was a terrific run and look he's a very nice horse and he's only going to get better as he gets older too so i think uh as long as he doesn't get ripping and pulling then uh he'll certainly give her a good run all right let's go through the draw uh for the woodland start australia breeders crown series Final for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings. One, Kafaji. Two, he's Charlie's angel. Three, Rip for Repelling. Five, Captain Ravishing. Six, Raw for Roscoe. Seven, Mac Assassin. Eight, Interest Free. Not a bad draw for him, for him I think. That's uh, that's much more to his liking. Nine, Flash Jimmy. Ten, Red Hot Assassin. Eleven, Major Perry. No luck for the Kiwi um, uh, semi-final winner. Twelve, Beach Villa is the first emergency. Uh, and 13, Commander Buzz. So, Captain Ravishing just looks all over the winner. Um, we'll start a very short quote. I'll tell you the only – if we're trying to create a little bit of um, uh, interest and semi-manufacture something here, Clevy, the one thing I will say is that if even if he's Charlie's angel doesn't find the front here, we know the reason that he's been conservatively driven on so many occasions is that – he can get very, very fierce in transit, and it just creates a, a little hurdle for Captain Ravishing. If he's stuck out there and you're trying to burn forward and he's Charlie's Angels just absolutely reefing and tearing, um, it'll just make the job that little bit harder. But as I said on Saturday night on Trot's Vision, there's something within all of us, I reckon, that probably wants to see Captain Ravishing have to do something really spectacular to win because we already now know how fast he is and how great he is. So um, we'd like to see him tested probably. I think we want to see that in every race, especially these big finals. You don't really just want to see a, a favourite just jiggy, jiggy jog to the front, stack them up, sprint home and, and just win with how they like. I, I think the like the race one Saturday night, it, it just adds excitement to the races when uh, someone's keen to have a crack. So... Yeah, look, I think Captain Ravishing finds the front, you know, even if he just sits there and, and waits 400 metres and then just sort of lets him roll up or whatever he needs to do. If if they do go to war, uh, Kafaji and he's Charlie's angel. Uh, Repelling's going to have to go back, Raw for Roscoe Macassas. And interest-free, if he's three pegs, as you say, that'll be a great spot for him, especially if they've done a bit early. Flash Jimmy will be punching through hard on he's Charlie's angel's back. Major Perry... Depending on how the races run, he might just have to be the first one around uh, to the death, um, you know, probably with about 1,200 metres to go to to get him into the race from that barrier draw. But really hard to see any of the others sort of outside the top three uh, winning the race. Yeah, I, really outside of the top one, I think um, Captain yeah. Ravishing is just something else, isn't he? So uh, he should be winning, but hopefully we get a great contest. And I, I echo those sentiments. If we're going to race for big money, on the biggest nights. <clears throat> Don't leave too much in the locker. Penultimate race in the program. We're, we're through the Breeders' Crown semi-finals, so we'll get stuck into the last two races and then try and have a look at the uh, the trotting finals as well. Aldebaran Park, RC Freestone, Trotters Free For All. And once again, if you watch Trot's Vision um, and and you get the information firsthand, it should make it a hell of a lot easier to win because uh, Andy Gath, I caught up with him in the stables early in the night, Said Majestuoso was 90% ready to roll and they would go back. That's exactly what happened. 
Elder Baron Zeus looked the overwhelmingly likely leader in Les Sundon's carriage, really wanted to battle him for it. And he sort of made him work a little bit, but Elder Baron Zeus got the front. Majestuoso out the back. They're both incredibly fast horses. Probably, at the end of the day, the $2 was a steal once you knew all the information, Clevy. Yeah, and 100% there. Once uh, you sort of worked out that he was going to get the front relatively easy, it was sort of race over because, as you say, there was no mid-race pressure, Majestuoso. You know, he's not going to go around and put pressure on mid-race or anything like that. So the race was his for the taking, and uh, Chris Alford out in front, you don't get any better, and uh, he was certainly rating it to perfection. Didn't uh, give him a chance, really, although the sprint went on. At the 400, Kerry Ann Morris came out and moved up very quickly, towed Majestuoso into it. I'll tell you one that was an eye catcher, and we talk about him a lot. He's a bugger uh, powder keg, but geez, he absolutely broke the clock. He uh, he broke early, lost about 60 metres, made it up, and only got beaten sort of 14 metres. And uh, he's one that he's just got to put it all together. Maybe not to be winning these, but he'd be right in the finish with them for sure. I mean, when you have a look at how much ground he's had to make up, and the times that he's run, he's got blue boxes everywhere on his speed sheet. But the winner was just too good. Sundon's courage was good, uh, sprinting up the lane and Majestuoso, 55-2 for his last half, will just improve off that run. Yeah, perfect first up run from Majestuoso. Loved it. Huge tick as he heads towards an Inter-Dominion series. Sundon's courage is back to racing um, at his best at the moment. That best just isn't quite good enough to win these races. Uh, at present, Elder Baron Zeus is an... Somehow he remains underrated as uh, the other four-year-olds that have come through, like your Olavichis and co, have sort of got a lot more acclaim. But Elder Baron Zeus is the one that's gone out there and won uh, an an Australian Trotting Championship. Um, Turns up here, beats Majestuoso in a Group 3. He's he's a good horse. Uh, Final race in the card before our final break on Metrospective here on SEN Track on Trot's Life. What a way to finish the night. Tab Breeders Ground, Graduate Mayor's Free For All at Group 3 level. And uh, Doug's Bay bleeds. They run early. Tough till he's pratted out wide. Tay-Tay moves up, lays down the law as they're coming around the turn, hits the front. Tough Tilly peels off its back, looks the winner, then doesn't look the winner, then really doesn't look the winner, then looks the winner, and must have only been in front, right on the wire. I've got to be honest, though. A lot of people have told me they didn't think she'd won. I knew she'd won. Did you know she'd won? I thought she'd won on the line. Yeah. yeah. It just, she, she, I was all out the straight. I'm like, wow, she's not going to get there. She's not going to get there. But as they hit the line, you just went, she, she just won. Like, she literally just won. And yeah, it was sort of like, I couldn't believe that she actually did what she did. Cause like, like they say, that she just never was in front until that stride on the line. It was sort of like a gallops race with the head up, head down. She just knows where that finishing line is. And, you know, as I said, for the EB Foundation, it's it's just fantastic to see. Um, Kate's just got back from running the, the marathon over in America, uh, raising money for it. So it was a perfect way for Kate, Tough Tilly and Emma to, to round out a terrific night. Emma Stewart picked up eight winners for the night. Mark Pick drove six of them. Kate drove the other two. But to finish off with this Feely would have been just as rewarding as any of the other races throughout the night. Oh, and uh, we, we spoke to Kate, obviously, on Trot's Vision as well, and um, yeah, this was this was the perfect way to end the narrative. For those who don't know, um, Kate went over uh, this time last week and ran in the New York Marathon, finished in top 3% of women going around. She'd been training for months and months and months, and even though it's something she'd always wanted to do, 
the major impetus for her doing that was uh, to raise money for the Butterfly Foundation, I believe they are still called, um, the foundation which supports sufferers of EB. And if you want to learn more about that, then just Google it. It is a, a, a horrific um, uh, genetic, often childhood disease, which uh, wreaks havoc. Um, and Tilly Wilkes is the tough Tilly, after whom tough Tilly is, is named. Tay-Tay, outstanding, particularly given... Uh, Shannon O'Sullivan was telling us on the broadcast on Saturday night that um, Jason Grimson, who'd had Tay-Tay, was sort of suggesting to Alex Ashwood maybe she needs a little bit of a break. Um, turns out if, she, if that's what she's like when she needs a break, she's pretty amazing. It's Ebony and Ivory outstanding. Doug's babe, I just think, before we go to this final break, just in a word, Clevy, I think Doug's babe is just, she's flying, but she's a much better horse following a helmet in my opinion. Yeah, 100% uh, agree with that. But how good is it when you've got a five-horse race and there's four horses within a metre? I mean, a short-half head by a head at the finish, you, you just don't expect that. You think a five-horse race is going to be boring, and yet it was one of the most exciting finishes of the night. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it turned out to be a good finish because tough till he won. I was pretty heavily invested. We'll go for a break, <laughs> our final break, and when we come back, we'll have a look at the Trotters finals this weekend at Tabcourt Park Mountain for the Breeders' Crown Series. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Uh, now I ain't saying she a gold digger. But she ain't messing with no broke. Now I ain't saying she a gold digger. But she ain't messing with no broke. Bro. Get down, girl. Go ahead. On your knees. All right. We've got to rip through these, Clevy. Uh, I'll give you the feels. And uh, quick thoughts. We've got about two minutes left. So, Alderbaran Park Breeders' Crown Series two-year-old trotting Phillies final. Dichotomy rocking with attitude. Valerie Lane, Vici Bloom, Bullion Girl, Alma Vella, Aroha Kenny. Alderbaran Miley Cognati. Susan is her name. She's a witch. She's a wish. Sequence and Alderbaran free to the emergency. Are we thinking rocking with attitude? The one to beat and avenge that unlucky defeat in the Redwood. Uh, yeah, at the moment I would. Dichotomy went very good in her heat. It's going to be sitting on her back. Probably the best chance of beating her. Cognati went good. Susan is her name. I see those four fighting at the finish. But uh, Rockin' With Attitude is just racing in terrific style. So we'll go with Rockin' With Attitude. Alderbaran Park, Breeders' Crown Series, two-year-old trotting Colts and Goldings final. Stevie G, your kidding laddie son. Uh, dream of Big I'm High. Um, Triumph Stride, SK Hollywood, Mouldy Franklin, the locomotive, my personal jet, Sugar Daddy, What's Up Party Time, Alderbaran Jensen, Jillyby Top Gun, your emergency as we rifle through. Uh, caught up with Ricky Elton last night. What's Up Party Time, he says, is definitely, definitely good enough to win. It's just whether he's ready. Your thoughts quickly there? Yeah, going to need a little bit of luck from the draw. Triumph Stride probably finds a front. Stevie G, if he does everything right, will go very good. The locomotive, a little bit of a tricky draw, but it's going to be right in that. They're, uh, they're the main players for that one. Woodland Stud Australia, Breeders' Crown Series, three-year-old trotting Phillies final call my year. Revel Stoke, Lindy's Love, Alderbaran Misty, the emergency Egret, or Egret, Kimura Safi, Alderbaran Demi, Alderbaran Keep, Alderbaran Vera, Lady Adelia, Queen of Quebec, just a bit touchy, constant. Um... I think Nathan was leaning towards Cormayeur. Uh, your thoughts quickly there before we get to the last one? From the barrier draw, if it holds up, Alderbaran Keeper will still outrun them all. Uh, Hordicam, Harry Stamper, this is the honour streak at HDD Breeders' Crown Series, three-year-old trotting Colton Golding's final. Harry Stamper's drawn two, uh, Plymouth Chubb three, and Cravash Door nine. That's, that's, that's a hard one, isn't it? 
That's what a race. That's going to be an awesome race. Uh, hard to see. Harry Stamper will be on the back of Plymouth Charb. Kravashka will be being close. And uh, I'm not going to pick one yet. I reckon that's going to be a massive race, that one. Other ones in there. Hortacam, he's all muscle. Mercenary, Goodhart, Iron Love, Hephaestus Phoenix. Everybody loves Kenny. Is the emergency. Courage stride, RC Phoenix and Sebastian's boy. Great show again, Clevy. Well done, mate. Thanks, Brian. Looking to a big weekend this weekend with all the finals. All right, bye.